There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The final stop on the crazy train that has been the 2015 season brings our beloved back home to Soldier Field, where they will end the season defending their home turf one last time against the Detroit Lions. Can the Bears finish strong, or will the Lions get the season sweep? Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit joins us on the Week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Only four quarters left in the 2015 campaign. And then we and our beloved Chicago Bears get to look forward to 2016. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 17 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review down to the last two regular season episodes of the year. And then we'll have our big year in review episode sometime in uh January gonna try to see if we can't line up uh Jeff Dickerson to come back and uh you know go over the season uh with us and uh, project what the Bears may or may not do 2016 lots of questions uh going into the offseason what moves will the Bears make what free agents will they go after what free agents of ours will they re-sign will Alshon Jeffrey be uh a franchise player will the Bears be able to reach a contract with him will Matt Forte be back will the bears invite him back will he sign elsewhere and jeremy langford and kadeem carey are going to be our backfield uh from now on will our coordinators come back will vic fangio and adam gase both get attention uh in head coaching spots because there's going to be from the looks of things forecastings i mean right now right now there are three jobs that are definitely open miami tennessee philadelphia with chip kelly getting fired the other day um you know, and you can project about half a dozen more at least that are going to be open uh, as well. I mean, it's it's going to be all over the place. So there's going to be plenty of places for Fangio and Gase to go to if they are so inclined. I, for one, hope that at the very least we get to keep Fangio because I would like him to uh, keep building our uh, help building our defense because uh, he's been outstanding for us this year. I mean, we've had our we've had our problems on the defensive side of the ball, but you have to admit, from this year to last year, it's night and day, and the improvement is is in the coaching. It absolutely is in the coaching. And Adam Gase, I definitely want to hang on to him. I just think that he's the hotter of the two candidates and is more likely to leave. I hope that he doesn't, though. I would rather. I really like to keep him and Cutler together for one more year. The backup plan seems to be Doa Loggins, the quarterback coach, being promoted uh, to offensive coordinator if uh, Adam Gase does in fact uh, leave town. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Hopefully, um, hopefully we'll be able to keep uh, everybody. Though I, I bet it's probably uh, not likely uh, that we will. But. 
Black Monday will be, uh, you know, just coming around the bend and we'll find out who's keeping their job and, and who isn't and what positions will be open and uh, where our guys are most likely to go. So, uh, yeah, more on that uh, as we come. So, But here we go, the uh, the last two shows of the 2015 season. This will actually be the last show of 2015 Literally on the last day of the year, it's New Year's Eve, so uh, most of you probably won't be hearing this until tomorrow, or if you're hungover, Saturday, before the game, I hope. So Happy New Year to those that I'm getting uh, after uh, the ball drops on uh, on midnight uh, tonight, and uh, hope everyone is uh, safe and, uh, you know, in, in one piece. Maybe your, your head is splitting open from all the booze you, you took in on, on, uh, on Thursday night, but... Uh, Hopefully you're, you're there and you're good to go and you're watching college football and uh, you'll be good enough to watch the Bears uh, finally uh, finally get a win against Detroit on Sunday. I've been reminded that the Bears have lost five in a row to Detroit. We got swept in 2013 and 14, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we did definitely get swept last year, but I don't remember us beating Detroit year one uh, of, uh, of the Tressman uh, debacle. And obviously we lost our first game to Detroit earlier this year in a game that we most definitely should have won and was Detroit's first game that they won all season. And because of that, the Bears are currently sitting in last place because the, the Lions, who are also 6-9, and nine, hold the tiebreaker over our beloved uh, Chicago Bears. And, uh, you know, we have Jeremy Reisman that's going to be on the show here in just a few moments from prideofdetroit.com on SB Nation uh, to, to weigh in on how he thinks the game will go and, and just how crazy a year it's been for the Lions uh, this year. You know, what's the consensus on whether or not they're going to keep Jim Caldwell uh, this year is their offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter who has by far the most ridiculous name in the history of NFL coaches uh, you know him being taken over as play caller and offensive coordinator kind of reignited uh, the offense what do you th- what does he think that the the reason for that is you know the the reemergence of the the defense which is one of the top units in the league this year struggled mightily without in Dominican Sue and Nick Fairley uh, this year. What uh, what's the what's the cause the, of their turnaround? And we talk a little bit about that series they had with the Packers uh, this year, beating Green Bay in Lambeau for the first time in two and a half decades, and nearly getting the sweep, losing on a crazy hail mary play on Thursday Night Football the week after uh, Thanksgiving. We talk about all of that uh, with Jeremy. But before we do, bad news uh, in. Uh, for our beloved Chicago Bears and for us uh, as fans, uh, the hamstring injury that uh, held um, Alshon Jeffrey out of uh, last week's game against Tampa Bay will keep him out for the rest of the season or what's left of it anyway. Uh, he was put on IR on uh, on Monday, as was Eddie Goldman. The ankle injury that he suffered Sunday against Tampa Bay, the Bears don't believe that he will need surgery for it. But he won't be ready to play on Sunday, so the Bears gave his roster spot, uh, took his roster spot from him, put him on injury reserve for the final game of the year. Um, not exactly a sweet ending to a very strong, solid rookie season that we got from Eddie Goldman. I mean, he was the top draft choice of ours to take the field this year because, as we know, Kevin White didn't play it down for us this year. Hopefully a big turnaround from him next year 
uh, in 2016. I mean, when you don't play a snap, there's nowhere to go but up. But expectations will be high, especially depending on what we do with our injured wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey and, and everyone else in between uh, going into it. But, uh, you know, Eddie Goldman, I think he had five and a half sacks uh, this year. It seemed to improve as the year uh, went along. I don't think the Bears were planning on playing him or starting him from the very beginning. That's what we had guys like Jeremiah Ratliff and Ray McDonald uh, for to start with, but we saw how well that worked out uh, for both of those nutbags. And uh, Eddie Goldman kind of forced into action, uh, even when we lost Ego Ferguson, uh, you know, with an injury about midseason, uh, you know, and Eddie Goldman answered the call. So so just kudos to, to, to Goldman uh, for the rookie year that he had. And like I said, constantly uh, improving. You, you always heard him. Uh, his you know his praises being sung by by Vic Fangio and the defensive coaches for how well he's played uh, as a rookie uh, in 2015. Looking forward to 2016 and beyond with that big guy in the middle of our new three four uh, front. Jeffrey, on the other hand, it depends on who you ask. If you ask somebody like Hall of Famer Dam Hampton about Alshon, he affectionately refers to Alshon as No Sean uh, Jeffrey basically calling him a wuss for not being able to play through the hamstring injuries and the soft tissue injuries that he suffered uh, this year. You know, some might say, you know, is it because he misses Brandon Marshall? Uh, you know, is it because that Marshall's not in town? Marshall's not around to kind of police him and make sure he's taking care of, of his body. Because you remember the huge leap that he took from his rookie year to his second year in 2013 when he spent that that first off season with Brandon Marshall in Florida, and you know, and so on, and last year in 2014 uh, as well. I mean, when when he had the off season to spend with Marshall, Marshall was showing him the tricks of the trade. How is it that Brandon Marshall has been in the league for ten years and barely ever misses any time with injuries? Because Marshall's body is a temple, as far as Brandon Marshall is concerned. He takes fantastic care of himself. I mean, granted, right now. The trade that we made to get him out of town looks like the biggest, dumbest, stupidest trade in the history of football because Brandon Marshall's going back to the Pro Bowl and he's helping the Jets go to the playoffs. If they win this weekend, they're in. So, you know, is it because Brandon Marshall's mentorship is no longer around, you know, and whatnot? You know, all these questions that need to be answered. I think that um, that Alshon's upside is too big for the Bears to let him go because you just know, you just know that something crazy would happen with Alshon Jeffrey. And I don't mean that he would go to the to the Patriots or something like that. I mean somebody like the Lions or something like that would seduce him to come to Detroit. He would be the replacement for Calvin Johnson, who's supposed to make like a trillion dollars next season, but he's been in the league you know, for 12 years or whatever it is, he's long in the tooth. They want to get rid of him, so they let they cast him out and let him, you know, try to make 20 million with somebody else. They bring in Alshon Jeffrey for half that, and twice a year, Alshon Jeffrey goes nuts for 300 yards and six touchdowns a game when he plays against the Bears. That's that's the kind of thing that 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 I foresee happening if we just cut ties and let Alshon go. So you know, or somebody that we have to see on a regular basis no matter what it's it's not going to be a team that you know like with the Jets we just played the Jets last year so we don't have to worry about seeing Brandon Marshall playing for the Jets until 
2018, and I doubt he'll still be in the league at that point, or at least I, knowing him, he probably won't be with the Jets anymore if he's still playing. But, you know, this is Alshon Jeffrey, and I just got a funny feeling that if we let him go, he's going to end up someplace where we're going to get to see him early and often, and uh, it's going to come back to bite us that we let him go. So uh, I just uh, would prefer at the very least that, that we – we franchise Alshon and try to figure out the contract situation uh, as we go through and get him signed to a long-term uh, deal that's, uh, you know, agreeable for everybody. So that's just my two cents uh, on it. You know, obviously I have, you know, said my piece about Alshon and his injuries and, and everything this year, and I've not been a happy camper about it, especially since Kevin White hasn't been able to get out on the field so we haven't we don't have anybody we didn't have anybody else to lean on uh this year also because eddie royal all the damn time so it's it's the situation where in a year where we basically needed him the most he was not there for us you know he only played in seven games this year nine he played in nine games missed seven uh of them including the entire preseason if i'm not mistaken so not a good year for for Alshon to um, you know to, to be spending most of his time on on the sidelines watching the games in in street clothes than on the field earning that next big contract. So what what sucks even more is that when he has been healthy for the most part he's been fantastic for us, which just you know kind of feeds the argument about should we keep him, should we let him go, uh, and so on. And I think that. You know, when he's healthy, he's probably one of the best receivers in football, period. And it would be foolish of us uh, to let him go. At the very least, got to sign him to a franchise to franchise deal. So, um, you know, get another year uh, out of him, see if he can stay healthy and earn a long-term deal. I'm sure that's not one that Alshon or his people would be happy with, but... You know, who out there is going to give up two first-round picks to take Alshon from the Bears after we franchise him? So who out there is that desperate for wide receiver help? So, I mean, I really can't think of anyone who would be that desperate to, you know, put uh, put up a quarterback price for a wide receiver, you know, two first-round picks to get a hand to get a to get their hands on a an often injured, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, or at least he was this year and uh, and so on. So I like the odds of Alshon staying in Chicago, and I hope that it does uh, happen. Eddie Goldman, we know we get him back and looking forward to his contributions uh, next year. So I don't think I have anything else uh, for uh, news and notes or anything like that. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right into our conversation with Jeremy Reisman talking about Bears and Lions Week 17 at Soldier Field. back with us once again uh, had him on earlier uh this year week number six and obviously during the off season as well uh jeremy it's reisman right you got it yep okay great so we just push that out of the way because i somehow just always continue to get that wrong you know what it, it reminds me of jeremy uh, my last name is dyer d-y-e-r it's got four stinking letters in it and yet throughout my entire childhood in school and every i had to deal with people calling me dwyer 
and drier, <laughs> adding letters to, to my oh. name that they just didn't exist. That That's kind of what it reminds me of, that even though you and I have spoken on several occasions, I somehow always have to ask you if I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. But regardless of all that, Jeremy, welcome back to the Chicago Bears Review. Thanks for having me, Larry. So it's been a, a, a weird season for you guys, a very up and down uh, year. Um, yeah. You're starting off the year uh, one and seven, and you're finishing. You've won five out of the last seven. Um, th- how has this been for you guys having to sit there and watch that? It's it's been an emotional roller coaster. I think most fans, uh, you know, rightfully so, declared the season over back in the end of October. Um, but then the Lions rattled off three straight wins, and there was even a little bit of playoff talk for a little bit, which seems crazy in retrospect. Right. Um, but it, it, it was at least nice to get something out of the season because I've been through an 0-16 season. It's not fun. Um, a 1-15 season doesn't strike me as much much more fun. So it, at least the Lions were competitive down the stretch here, and it provided some some entertaining games and left now now it's left fans in a very strange position because it was assumed the team was going to get blown up in the off season but now there's some talk about keeping Jim Caldwell around which is really interesting to see considering where his approval rating was just a couple weeks ago right so do you think the lions should hang on to him or i mean i mean what's your thought what are the thoughts of the people that you know your readers and such from from pride of detroit what what's the what's the overall consensus there, there isn't an overall consensus. It's mm. been really interesting. Um, we, we ran a poll um, a couple days ago, and it was split, I think, 53% to 47% in, in favor of keeping him actually around. Oh, okay. Um, personally, I was never really a, a fan of the hire. Um, Caldwell, while he's kind of that calming influence, he's definitely a player's coach. Um, the players are coming out in droves this week in support of him. But to me, he's just not the game manager that you want on a game day. He he might do all the right things to prepare for the week, but once you're there in game, he's not really the guy you want to be trusting to decisions on fourth down or um, challenging plays or using timeouts, that sort of thing, is really not his strength. And while that's kind of a minor thing in, in the scope of grand things, it's it's the things that we fans personally see him doing, and when he's not doing that well, it kind of questions how he's doing in the rest of his job yeah some guys are just better off being uh coordinators i think jim caldwell might be one of those guys yeah yeah that's definitely um uh potentially the case um and and since the lions fired their general manager and their president mid-season i think lions fans got their their hopes up that like everything would be blown up and we'd start anew and you know the identity of the lions would completely change and Part of that idea is definitely invigorating as a fan. So if you see the Lions hold on to Caldwell after a pretty disappointing season, suddenly all that energy and excitement just kind of deflates out of the room. You're like, oh, well, I guess we're in for this again. Right. So you guys have won five out of the last seven here. What what do you think has contributed to that? Did the schedule get easier? Did play calling get better? Did you guys start getting some injured guys back? What, what do you think contributed the most? There, there are a lot of factors and a lot that you just included. Um, schedule is a big one. Um, the Lions had a brutal schedule right up front. They had to go into San Diego, which in itself doesn't really sound that bad at 
now at this point in the season, but they played in Seattle. They played Minnesota in Minnesota right away. Um, Arizona, just a, a brutal schedule right up front. And, you know, they finished with teams like Oakland, the Eagles, um, the Packers, which don't really look as good as, as many think they are. But aside from the schedule, um, firing the offensive coordinator back in October, firing Joe Lombardi seems to have given the offense at least a little bit of a spark. Um, people are praising Jim Bob Cooter, the new offensive coordinator, and his um, offensive explosion, um, kind of in quotations there. Um, the Lions aren't exactly putting up a ton of points, but um, they are moving the ball effectively for once. And then the, really the biggest factor is the defensive turnaround. Hmm. Um, they started off the season possibly the worst offense in the league, giving up, I think, over 30 points a game. And that number's dropped to below 20 in the last six or seven games. Okay. And it's hard to know exactly what contributed to that defensive turnaround. Some of it is the Lions' young uh, secondary finally come into play. But it, it was really just kind of a drastic change that came kind of out of nowhere. So, I mean, did Terrell Austin just figure it out? Or, I mean, because you guys had a pretty awesome defense last year. Granted, you had those rocks in the middle with, with Sue and, and Fairley and, and and such, but you still had Ziggy Ansah and, and, and all those guys uh, out there uh, last year. So did, did Austin just finally figure out what works best for this personnel? Or what do you think maybe helped yeah, out there? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to know for sure, but um, a lot of – Fans and and players alike are are crediting Terrell Austin with the turnaround, and I think um, that has a lot to do with it because last year, even though the Lions, you know, did have that strong up front, like they got great production from their back uh, back seven as well, which were full of kind of no name players to begin the season. Obviously, DeAndre Levy was kind of the lone exception there, but it always seems like at some point in the season, Terrell Austin gets more out of his players than than are expected, and this year just kicked in a little bit later than uh, than most people expected. So you, you talked about the, the, the Green Bay Packers when I asked you about the schedule. This this has been a crazy two-game series for you guys this year. Yeah. You, 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 you finally end the Lambeau drought, and then just, what, like two and a half, maybe three weeks later on Thursday night uh, football, you have one of the, probably the craziest finish in a game all year. Uh, happen yeah. uh, where Green Bay wins in dramatic fashion on the the Hail Mary. What what was that roller coaster like? Winning in Lambeau and then losing at home, especially the way you guys did lose that game. Yeah, I mean the win in Lambeau felt great, but it was also right off the heels of the Lions being. I'm not sure what the record was at the time, but they you know they they weren't competitive in the league, and it, the win basically meant nothing in terms of the long. Um, scope of the season but still winning in Lambeau for the first time since I was seven years old or whatever I was <laughs> um it's nice to get that monkey off your shoulder and not have to deal with that same narrative every single year yeah. um but then to go two or three, yeah two and a half weeks later and to lose like they did in Detroit and that's when people were at the height of their Lions optimism this season where they're they're actually talking playoffs so they led by, I think it was like 20 to nothing or something at halftime. So at that point, people are like, the Lions could win out. They could be nine and seven. This could really happen. <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward to two hours later and everyone is just shell shocked 
and feeling awful and everyone needs to be fired again and I'm done with this team. All all those sort of narratives are popping out where two hours earlier we're like, this team's gonna do it. This team's gonna make history. So it was it was a roller coaster. It was awful. I'm sure I'll be able to laugh and look back on it in a couple of years, but even thinking about it now is 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 really frustrating. Yeah, so where did you rest on the face mask penalty? It, it's hard. I don't think it was a face mask, but when I saw it live, I thought it was going to be a fa- like I knew exactly what the flag was for as soon as it was thrown. So it's hard to criticize a referee for making a call that I probably would have called at game speed as well. Right. Um, and in the end, like you can you can hang up on a bunch of penalties each week if you really want to. That one obviously sticks out because it led to the next play. But in the end, you've got to defend a Hail Mary, a 60, not not just a normal Hail Mary. This was like a 63-yard Hail Mary, which should have a conversion rate of somewhere around 0.1%. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can blame the refs if you want, but I choose to blame the play that won the game. Yeah, no, I I, 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 um, I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, you know, I for a while there, I thought it was the wrong call as far as what the actual penalty was. I, I you know, I was reminded that um, that um, that Rogers was running around, that he was past the line of scrimmage because I was thinking that it would be like you know roughing the passer or like an illegal blow to the head or something like that because of. You know, if that's what the the penalty was going to be, or unnecessary roughness, or what have you, I I didn't think it was a face mask penalty. Even after I saw it in in slow motion, like he barely caught the face mask with a yeah. fingernail, and it kind of made me miss the uh, the five yard variety yeah. of the face mask penalty. That's what I was just thinking too. Yeah, I, I don't know why they got rid of that, but I guess to kind of get rid of some of uh, I don't know the controversy or the subjectiveness of that call, but. If if there was such thing as a five yard face mask, I mean that still would have resulted in another play, just ten ten yards short, longer for the the pass. But yeah. either way, like I'm saying, it, it it's kind of ticky tacky to to blame the rest when you just gave up a sixty three yard hail mary. Well, also when you gave up a twenty to nothing lead as <laughs> that well, too. It's, yeah. it's a position that when you get out that when you get that far out ahead, it's a position you really shouldn't be in at the end of the the game. We've probably been there a few times myself with the with the bears it's like well if this holding penalty didn't happen it was like yeah well, we were winning 21 to nothing before any of that happened so right probably shouldn't even been in that position to start with so yep. yeah um so <laughs> i just thought it was such a crazy series that you guys had uh with with green bay uh the the win in lambo the the hail mary and uh and everything it's uh yeah, probably, probably. I mean, really, the Bears also had an interesting series with with Green Bay as, as well. That win on Thanksgiving night was just, oh man, that was like the <laughs> Super Bowl, dude. It really was yeah. to be able to finally beat and for it to be legit too. That was the other right. thing for for it not to be the first time we beaten the Packers while Aaron Rodgers was on the field. It was a uh, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, um, so getting back on onto the uh, the team, I was just looking at the the stats here. And I see that this the same old problem with the offense is, uh, or at least statistically anyway, 31st in uh, in rushing uh, in the yep. league uh, this year. That's uh, still hasn't been figured out yet, huh? 
it, it's improving. Um, ever since they fired their offensive coordinator, um, they they've they've done a better job. They're still you know bottom of the league statistically, but um, I think in the past maybe four or five out of the past six or seven games, they've actually hit a hundred yards rushing, where it only happened once or twice in the previous uh, six or seven games. So things are starting to improve there, but there are major problems along the offensive line, specifically. Well, actually, everywhere. Um, um, Travis Swanson, their new center, hasn't really picked up as he was expected to. Um, the right tackle play has just been god awful. They they they're ending up playing Michael Ola, who was a mid season acquisition, as opposed to Adrian Waddle, who's now playing in New England. And um, you know, they just haven't had really a backup plan there in right tackle, and it, it's worked okay since Michael Ola took over, but. Um, like I said, it's still a bottom tier running game and it doesn't really seem like it's to the fault of any of the running backs. I think the Lions actually have a pretty talented, um, uh, running back crew, especially with Amir Abdullah. Um, Theo Riddick has been incredibly valuable in the passing game, not as much in the running game. And then Joyke Bell, um, after a slow start in the season has kind of started to pick up where he left off last year. So what's been your your favorite win uh, of the season? The last time we talked, you guys didn't have a win uh, yet, <laughs> and now you have uh, six of them. So you know you've rattled off quite a few victories. Which one would you say would be the would be your favorite? Oh man, I I think it might have to be on Thanksgiving Day as well when we That's... just brutalize the Eagles. Um, something about watching that offense click brought back nostalgia for the Lions back in 2011 when Matthew Stafford had his best season throwing over 40 touchdowns. Um, and then the defense also dominating in that game. Granted, it was against uh, Mark Sanchez, but right. uh, <laughs> it, it was it was fun to see. Um, I would have to say the Green Bay game in, in Lambeau probably takes a close second as well, though. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think for me it's uh... – our win in Kansas City it's probably, I mean, just barely edges out the Green Bay one because the Bears had the lead pretty much. They were holding on to the lead, whereas in Kansas City we had to come back right. and win it at the very uh, end. So I think those would be my two favorite. That's uh, an impressive win, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it is now. It is now. <laughs> it, at the time we were playing the one in three Chiefs. We were part oh. of their five-game uh, losing streak. It looks really great now. Back then, it was just like, ah, they're sputtering. The Bears are, you know, the Bears are kind of, you know, on their way up, and the Chiefs obviously on their way down. I mean, this is going to be a bad season for them, and here they are. If they win this weekend, they finish the season 10-0 and after starting 1-5. and It's insane. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, speaking of the end of the season, um, the Pro Bowl teams came out uh, last week. And uh, Ziggy Ansah made the made the Pro Bowl, mm -hmm. and um, somehow Calvin Johnson did. <laughs> and I'm wondering how Lions fans feel about that. Do you think he deserved to win? Because I think it just kind of feeds into the whole. This is a popularity contest more than an actual people who deserve to be here contest. Right, and, and the the most interesting thing about it was Calvin Johnson didn't even finish in the top ten in fan voting. So that means the players and the coaches are the ones that got him into the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, it definitely caught um, caught most people by surprise, to be honest. Um, especially given the last three weeks or so when Calvin Johnson has had one or two catches, um, San Francisco's game aside. Um, so, yeah, I think people were actually pretty shocked and, and 
understandably confused why he made the Pro Bowl. Um, he he's obviously not at the the peak of his career, so I think this was more of a favor done to him by his his, his cohorts. Peers? And, yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's it's always nice to see him because he's one of the good guys in the league. You know, he's he's an extremely humble guy. He works his ass off every week, and and even if he isn't getting the production he is he was back in the day, he's someone that I feel like the lines want around the organization, and he still draws attention like crazy. So, though he probably didn't have a Pro Bowl season, he's not a guy that the Lions really want to part with. I don't think. Yeah, you know, and, and I was you know when I was thinking about that, it was um, it reminded me a bit of. Uh, Olin Krutz, the center for the Bears, mm-hmm. like they're like he made the Pro Bowl like seven, eight years in a row and probably shouldn't the last two or three years of that stretch. And I feel that this is kind of like the, the Megatron thing where it's probably out of respect yeah. or being that guy. You've always got a game plan how you're going to beat this guy, uh, you know, or the, like the defensive lineman got to watch extra film, like what technique works best against him. Uh, and things like that is probably the why he got the nod more of a respect thing sure. um than than anything else um you know and the other thing is you know and all due respect to you as a lions fan but basically without calvin johnson what have you had to worry about with the detroit lions since he came to town i mean he's he's the one reason you've always had to take the lions seriously since he came and was drafted by detroit yeah um, the the only other player that I think a lot of Lions fans, myself included, thought maybe um, deserved to get in but didn't get any real consideration was Darius Slay, mm-hmm. their uh, their number one corner. Um, he's really had a shutdown season the last half. Um, ever since the bye week, he's really shut down every every receiver, every team's number one receiver. So I think people were. I think Lions fans mostly focused on that because we always like to play the victim. So. Um, instead of focusing on Calvin Johnson kind of getting in undeservedly, we focused on Darius Slay getting snubbed. So how do you see that whole thing with, with Megatron uh, playing out? I mean, I know obviously the intention and the desire is to keep him. I think Calvin Johnson wants to stay. I mean, as much as, as a guy in his position would probably want to win a championship, I don't think anything would feel better than doing it in Detroit. However, he's got a $24, $25 million salary cap figure next year is that something the Lions are going to be able to work with are they going to maybe renegotiate to lower the figure what do you think is going to happen there yeah I think they're going to have to do something to renegotiate um they're actually in really good cap situation anyway so if they don't it's not a disaster it just kind of looks bad that you're paying uh, a declining player 24 million this year um but that's that's all you know public relations um the Lions could certainly get along with paying him that much if they if they have to um that being said Calvin Johnson's the kind of guy that's going to take a pay cut if if asked to. Um, he's making plenty of money. It, right. It won't hurt him. Um, and by all means, he does want to stick around. So I think the Lions are going to probably get something worked worked out. A lot of people are talking right now like he just played his last home game. This is going to be his last home game. I really don't believe the hype. Um, it's possible, especially with the Lions likely hiring a new general manager in the next upcoming weeks. But I just think it's really, really unlikely at this point. How do you think? Uh, because I, I, I was looking at uh, some headlines and things like that, and um, one of the reporters, I think one of your beat guys, asked Matt Stafford if he thought this was his last home game 
in Detroit, and he was kind of taken back yeah. by the question, you know, what do you think the situation is with Matt Stafford? Was that a silly question? It, it, it was. At, at this point, there's no question Stafford's coming back. He, he started out the season a little iffy through – I think 13 or 14 touchdowns through the or interceptions through the first eight weeks. And I think he's thrown two or three cents. The second half of the season should really put to bed any, any rumors, any doubts about Stafford being this team's quarterback, at least for the next year or two. Um, he's, he's been phenomenal. And, and I think this narrative that he might be gone has just come from a fan base that, that, I don't know, that is either extremely impatient or just doesn't realize that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You you look around the NFL this week or the last couple of weeks and you see all of these quarterbacks that are starting. You see Matt Hasselbeck starting. You see uh, Blaine Gabbert starting. You, you know, these, these aren't quarterbacks that are going to be quarterbacks for these teams' futures. While, while Stafford now after you know starting the season so poorly is actually in the top 10 in passer rating this year which is something you wouldn't have ever expected to hear especially after losing 45 to 10 against Kansas City and and getting pulled in the Arizona game so so I I think this is just out of frustration when a team doesn't play like you expected them to in the in the preseason there's two people that you point to the quarterback and the coach Right. So Stafford gets lumped in there just just for the heck of it, but he's he's going to be the the Lions' quarterback in 2016, no question. So so what is it that that uh, and I even hate to say the guy's name, Jim Bob Cooter, the most <laughs> ridiculous name in the history of the NFL. Um, what is it that he's been doing that Joe Lombardi absolutely failed to do? Because that really has seemed to to ignite the offense ever since Lombardi got fired. Uh, Cooter takes over, and all of a sudden. You guys are, are winning football games, and you're more competitive than you even thought you could be. Right. The, the the buzzword being thrown around is is simplification. He's made the offense a little more simplified, um, especially along the offensive line. He's not exactly asking them to do the crazy things like, um, you know, crossing over the line, that sort of stuff. Um, it, it's just it's more of a power running system now. So the lines are just lining up, trying to beat the man in front of them lot more simple and and it's proven to have some results in the running game and i think um having some sort of threat in the running game has helped protect stafford which was a big issue in the first half of the season and and protection is huge when you give stafford time he's going to beat you he's got an arm strong enough to beat you know any of the best corners in the league all right so um i do have one final question for you okay okay and this was something that I promised my listeners that I was going to ask you. I'm sure I know the answer to this question, but Golden Tate, did he catch the ball? Did he fumble it? What's what's your stance on that Lions fan go? Oh, my God. That was the craziest play I've ever seen. Oh, I, man. I, I, I don't have an answer for you because I don't know what the NFL thinks is a catch anymore. Exactly, yeah. Um. There was another uh, Calvin Johnson dropped another pass last week that Mike Pereira w- was convinced was a catch, but was overturned on the field. Um, so I, I I just don't know anymore. It you know by the eyeball test probably not. Yeah, it was probably yeah. an interception. But <laughs> who the hell knows anymore? I I don't know. 
I think, honestly, I think that's the most frustrating part of it is that you can ask 100 people and get 100 different answers as to why it was a catch, why it was a fumble, why, it, you know, did he get both feet down, the play was dead at one point. The explanations that I heard from so many different people, because for the first time in a long time, this brought the Bears and the Lions to the forefront of the NFL discussion right. for the week because obviously it fed to a much bigger question, but you know, like over and over again, it was, yes, he did catch it. No, man, how can you say that? He didn't have both feet down and, you know, it didn't complete the, the you know, the, the, the motion of the catch or whatever the hell uh, they're talking about and so on. And so, I mean, it was such a passionate topic of discussion for that entire week. Yeah. You know, did he or didn't he? Yes, he did. No, he didn't. How could you say that? And, you know, just look at the film. It's right there. I am looking at it and this is what I see. And, you know, it was just so crazy. And, um, you know, it's like overall as a Bear fan is like, well, that's karma for the Calvin Johnson thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ago. Like, So, the, you know, it's like, OK, so we got it back. And for me, like you mentioned before, when we were talking about that, the, the loss to Green Bay. Um, you guys were up 20 to nothing. You shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. Right. For me, it was the Bears made like five trips into the red zone against Detroit that you know losing we give that touchdown back yes it would have been enough for the for the bears to to win that particular game but we were in the red zone like four times and came away with field goals instead of touchdowns that's why we lost to detroit not because of that one play with with golden Tate. right and i mean you have to think of it this way when a fluky play like that happens it's I mean, if it would have been called in the Bears' favor, that would have been kind of a lucky play, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, bounces go your way, and sometimes they don't go your way. The Lions, Lions fans are well aware of that, you know, <laughs> looking at Hail Marys and batted balls and, and sure. that place. So, you know, the Lions have had their fair share of luck this season and their fair share of bad luck this season. I'm sure it's been the same for the Bears. Oh, um, sure. Looking at maybe field goal kicking as, as part of the uh, the bad oh, end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, these sort of things happen every week in the NFL. Weird calls, bad calls, bad bounces. And if your team is good, good enough, they're going to overcome those sort of things. And I agree with you. I just think that, you know, this was I don't think it was the first instance of the season, but it was one of those ones that really got the discussion going. And ever since that happened, people have been all over this. <laughs> is it a catch? What is a catch? How do you define a catch? All that kind of stuff to, to that being probably the one thing that the competition committee and all the rest of those people are going to have to talk about this season is to try to figure out and you know define what a catch is what isn't and so on and so forth and people are going to look back at that play among several others but that's going that's the one that really got that discussion going this year was was that an interception was it uh, you know a completed pass and did he did he make a football move and right. all the rest of that garbage and and so on and so and forth i just that's the problem uh, with the rule is that there's just like a different set of rules for so many different circumstances. Like right. if he's in the end zone, there's a different set of rules. If he's going to the ground, there's a new set of rules. If he's out of bounds, there's a set of rules. And it's just like, we, we can see what a catch is with our eyeballs. Why can't we make the rules match what our eyes see? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it'd be yeah. that hard, but it is it, apparently. It, yeah. It really doesn't seem like it should be as complicated as it is. I mean, did he catch it or didn't he? And as far as like going through to the end, no, he didn't. But yes, he did catch the ball and get both feet down. Okay, yeah, he did do that. 
And when you're in the end zone, apparently that means the play is dead no matter what happens after that. Right. But, you know, it just, like I said, this conversation is, you know, mirrors what we've been listening to since week six when this happened yeah. uh, and everything. And I just, you know, it was it was crazy the, the, the when it went down. And, you know, first it was it, – and the other thing was it was ruled an interception on the field when it happened. Right. And they it was reversed. And I think that's probably what contributed to it sure. even more. Yeah, I mean – Was that – you know, blind eye. This is what happened. He, you know, he obviously did not go to the ground with the ball. It came up right away. The Bears picked it out of the air, and so on. And then we go back, and it's revert. Re, re, it's reviewed for some reason. And then, <laughs> oh, look at that! Because all turnovers are reviewed. That's the the basic reason why. But right. it's reviewed for some reason, and it comes back. Oh no, Golden Tate scored a touchdown. Like, wait, what? Yeah, I- hold on. You know, and then it's just like you guys go from being disappointed to euphoria and we go from euphoria to what, (laughs) you know, and it just it was just a crazy the way that it happened. I think that's what contributed to it more than anything was that it was initially a ruled interception on the field and then was reversed to become a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. And I I have to say, I was probably just as shocked as you were that the play was overturned. (laughs) Um, And I I remember I actually wrote an article uh, kind of like breaking down the rules and uh, my conclusion was basically shrug emoji. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, we could talk about this forever, you know, <laughs> going back and forth with you on one side and me on the other. And the other thing is, you know, we could both be on the same side on either side of the fence and, you know, the conversation could still go on because everyone's got a different different, def, different definition on, on what it is and what it isn't, and that's definitely something that needs to be fixed. Absolutely. Going forward. So, all right. One last thing, uh, you know, Jeremy. What's uh, what do you, what are your prognosis for Sunday? What do you think? How do you liking you guys' chances? Um, I haven't written up my my final preview yet, um, so I'm not really sure who I'm picking at this point. Um, I do like uh, the Lions' offense against the the Bears' defense. That seems yeah. like a pretty favorable matchup for the Lions, especially now that they've seen some improvement. And I know the Bears, I think, are near the bottom of the league in in run defense, at least. Uh, in DVOA, football outsiders is uh, statistical. Um, yeah, we have been all year. The funny thing yeah. was, last week we went into the house of the number two rusher in the league, and we only gave up forty nine yards. So, mm. take that for what you will. Right, and then, and it, you never really know with these last games of the season who's you know going to be playing their hardest yeah. and who's going to be looking forward to the off season. Um, I do think the Lions are are playing for something with with their support and Jim Caldwell. It seems like a near unanimous support in the locker room. Um, they're going to want to send him out with a win to to potentially save his job. Um, so I, I guess I'm leaning lines right now, although it's always hard to play in Soldier Field, especially late in the year. Um, so I, I, this this is a toss up to me. Um, I I'll, I guess I'll I'll officially pick the lines just because <laughs> i'm being put on the spot here and i don't really know and i'd rather go with the home team well how about this I thing? For. <laughs> how what do you think they have to do in order to win um i think they just they they have to keep doing what they're doing um their their defense took a bit of a step back in the last couple of weeks but i just saw that uh alshon jeffrey got put on injured reserve so they won't have to worry about him mm-hmm. i think defensively they can hold up against the Bears, as long as they can stop the running game, right? Um, they have had one of the better running games in the in the in the league this year. So 
that that does concern me a little bit. And then on offense, they just need to control the the clock a little bit by start you know having a run game of their own. Right. Okay. All right. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming back and. Thank you for being honest about the Golden Tate thing. <laughs> I, I was kind of dreading that, like, oh, yeah, he caught it. Touchdown. No problem. It was like, <laughs> what? Hold on. You know, it's like, no. Thank you for, for, <laughs> for being No, cool. I, I, I sympathize with the the frustration with not knowing what, what a catch is. Right. So I, th- yes. I think everyone, I think almost every team in the NFL now has dealt with some sort of weird catch thing. So we're all in agreement here. Things are weird. Nothing makes sense. I'm sorry that you guys had to go through it, although I'm glad you had to through us. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, it's a mess in terms of catching, and you guys probably caught the, the worst end of it. Yeah. But, like I said, everyone goes through that sort of stuff, so suck it up. Suck it up. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for being back, and uh, you know we'll figure out a reason to have you back on uh, uh, during the offseason. All right, Larry, sounds good. All right, Jeremy Reisman. It's Reisman, right? You got it, Reisman. Damn it, damn it. (laughs) Reisman, pride of Detroit on SB Nation, talking Bears-Lions week number 17. Always good to have Jeremy on uh, on the show. You know, and I really have. You know, and I think and I've mentioned this to you guys several times this year, really have enjoyed having everybody on the show uh, this year. And, and what has been the most pleasant surprise is that um, they're all good people. Every last one of them, every one of them that we had on the show are not uh, douchebags, assholes, whatever you want to call them. You know, they're not those kind of people they're 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 passionate about their teams and they have uh you know their their memories and such just like we do uh for the bears and i think that's what's made it so so awesome to talk to these people as we 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 share that at least it's like maybe we don't share an allegiance to the same team but we share the same type of allegiance uh to our team that that we devote you know spare time and and uh, you know energy and and effort and and such like that to to do these things and you know for them being you know bloggers and um writers and such like that in in their spare time this is not what they do for a living at espionation i don't think anyone anyone works at espionation for a living to be honest with you uh just my own uh, opinion but you know nonetheless they take the time out of their schedules to do that like matthew uh seth kaiser that we had from kansas for the kansas city he's you know he's an attorney in real life, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Lori Lattimore Volkman that we had for the, for the, for the Broncos. Um, she's a, a, a professor at the college of Charleston in, uh, in South Carolina and, and so on. I think Joe McAtee uh, for, for St. Louis is uh, he's in the military. And so is uh, Chris Gates, who we talked to all the way over in, in Germany, Sandra Phillips that we talked to over in the Netherlands and, all, you know, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, and, and and what have you, you know, all these people, it's been a pleasure having them on. And I'm looking forward to the next batch of people that we get to have on next year, along with Jeremy and Chris and Evan Western uh, that represent Green Bay, Minnesota and Detroit. Uh, respectively, having those guys back on the show uh, next year, along with our next crop of opponents from the NFC East and the AFC South. 
um, you know, for the for Bears schedule. And and after Sunday, we get to find out who our same place opponents uh, are going to be. Is it going to be the other fourth place finishers uh, in the in the NFC or the other third place uh, finishers? If we win this game, we finish seven and nine in third place. Detroit will be in fourth, and we figure out who we play uh, from there. So we will uh we will i'll have that for you on the review episode on monday who it is that uh what the schedule is going to look like who we're going to have on the road who's going to be at home who our same place opponents are going to be uh and so on in 2016 so uh it'll be uh, interesting and then we'll see if we can't get uh the biggest fish that we're able to reel in this year jeff dickerson on the show to uh to review their season uh in its entirety uh with us see if we can't steal him for uh, an hour or so um, this time around. So anyway, looking forward to that. Looking forward to 2016. And I appreciate you guys because you've told me, uh, you know, in, in on several occasions that you also have enjoyed the change in the show's format, bringing in the, the guests from the other teams to, to talk about uh, the games, getting their perspective from the people who, like us, watch their team every single week you know it's not you know maybe i caught a quarter here or a half there uh, you know of the 49ers or the rams or whatever you know it's like no they watched all 16 for as long as they can remember just like we watch all 16 uh, of the bears and, and and so on so they are the ones that know that's why we want to talk to them so that's why i've enjoyed doing this this year why i look forward to doing it again and into the future as long as we are doing the Chicago Bears uh, review. So real quickly, uh, before we wrap things up here, um, this game on Sunday, it's important. Uh, It's important that the Bears finish on a high note. I think more important for the Bears than it is for Detroit. Now, granted, the Lions have a lot at stake. They very well could be playing for Jim Caldwell's job. But, um, you know, either way, well, it's the Lions, so who cares? But, you know, for us as Bear fans and as, as as a team, I think it's important for this team that is pretty much a younger team for sure, uh, a lot of inexperienced players uh, on, on, the, on the squad. I think it would be important, especially with this last game being at home, that the Bears get the win because obviously John Fox's job is not in danger. Um, a lot of guys on the team are, are playing for their jobs and their spots on the team uh next year so who wants it who who wants it you know is uh is christian jones going to be back or is john timu going to take his position or is it going to be john timu and christian jones because we send chris uh shay mcclellan packing finally uh and so on what's our defensive line going to look like next year that now that we have an off season to go out and and get people will our first pick be a defensive lineman defensive end uh to you know to anchor with eddie goldman and company uh as well you know what free agents do we go after and, and, and all the rest of that stuff? And, you know, I think it's important for more important for the Bears to get a win, number one, so we don't finish our home schedule one and seven because that would just suck. I mean, come on, one and seven at home? Man, who are we, the, the Jags? That sucks, man. We can't do that. We have to win uh, on Sunday. And just, on, you know, like an emotional, you know, uplifting moment. It's a division game. We don't want to finish with just one win in the division. You know, we, we got our one win against Green Bay. We don't want – granted, it was an awesome win to have in the division, but we can't let it be the only one. 
in the division. You know, I think the Bears are better than the Lions and have been pretty much all season, and it's time on Sunday to go out and prove it. Now, it's going to be tough without Alshon and Eddie Goldman already. We already know we don't have them. But, um, you know, if we can do what we did last week against Tampa Bay and methodically move the ball down the field, run the football down Detroit's throats, I think we'll be in good shape. I do. And then on defense, the key is getting after Stafford because as good as Matt Stafford can be, he can also be one of the shakiest guys out there under pressure. You know, not so much that he he will make mistakes. Um, He's a gunslinger, same as Jay, Um, but he hasn't been as smart as Jay from time to time uh, and vice versa. You know, that that goes both ways. But, um, you know, if we can get after Stafford, that's the one thing we didn't do against the Lions last time. And Stafford threw for over 400 yards against us uh, in that first game. And that's when we went from, you know, getting after Alex Smith, getting after Derek Carr, getting after um, uh, Russell Wilson in, in weeks three, four, and five leading up to that, that week six matchup uh, in Detroit. And Detroit, I mean, remember ta- the first conversation we had with Jeremy talking about how, you know, they just got done getting decimated by Arizona and, you know, had to pull Stafford from the game because he was basically taking too many punches and Caldwell had to, you know, sit him down to save him uh, and things like that, you know. And then the Bears, I don't think we touched Stafford once. Uh, in that game we got to get after him we got to stay after him and you know just keep our foot in his throat the entire game and and just uh you know be a menace to to Stafford I mean it's the last game so let's have some fun with it Fangio let's send the house after Stafford I mean and don't stop until they hurt us you know and I'm not talking about they you know we blitz on third and five and they get a first down or anything like that I'm talking about don't stop going after him until they smoke us for a big play then maybe you ease the, ga- the, the, ease the foot off the gas pedal because it's week 17. It doesn't matter anymore. We're not going to the playoffs. This is it. These are the last four quarters of the season, so make them count, every last one. And uh, let's go after Stafford and get to him, and uh, let's take him down and, and keep him down um, this week. So, And also it's important to not let the running game get going. Granted, they are 31st in the league in, in rushing uh, the football, but as, we, you know, as Jeremy told us, it's kind of a misleading stat because they've been averaging over 100 yards a game for the last four or five uh, weeks. It's just that their average was so bad that uh, digging themselves out of the cellar statistically has been uh, has proven difficult uh, for them. So, you know, that's what we need to do. We held Doug Martin, the second best rusher in the league this year, probably one of the candidates for comeback player of the year. We held him to 49 yards on 17 carries last week in Tampa Bay. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that to uh, Theo Riddick and, and Amir Abdullah. There's no reason in the world because those guys sure as hell are not better than the running back that we bottled up on Sunday. So that's what we need to do uh, on the defensive side. So get after Stafford, stifle the run. And I think that, uh, you know, Cutler, you know, if Cutler doesn't throw a pick in this game, knock on wood that, it, that I done just jinx him, he'll be under 10 picks for the entire season. He's only thrown nine so far this year he's at 19 touchdowns nine picks uh for the season and uh you know what a great turnaround that would be for him to have you know to lead the league in turnovers last year to being one of those guys that's uh you know all of a sudden uh, i read earlier this week that he's in in the top five in the quarterback power rankings in the league and he leapfrogged aaron Rodgers this week to get into the top five how awesome is that so that's the efficient 
you know, smart, calculated season that Jay Cutler has been having this year. So I think he's definitely coming back for 2016. And at this point, why not? You know, why not? So, I mean, the, he's been the one steady rock that we have on offense this year with with Forte and Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, you know, all those guys, the offensive line constantly reshuffling. Aside from the game and a half that he himself was injured, Jay Cutler's been the one guy that we've been able to count on each and every week uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and he's played outstanding this year. 3,400 yards despite only throwing 19 touchdowns. He's, he's had a great year. He's had a great year. So I have no problem saying that I want to see Jay Cutler back in 2016, see what he can do when this team is capable and fully healthy because that's the one thing that didn't happen to the Bears all season. I mean, not one game this whole year did we play the team that we intended to play going into training camp. Not one game. Either Alshon was out or Eddie Royal was out. Martellus Bennett's down. Eddie Goldman is here. Jeremiah Ratliff was suspended. Ray McDonald was an idiot, and we had to get rid of him, and so on and so forth. The, the safety position with Antro Roll and, and all that. I mean, just it just on and on and on with the offensive line. Bushrod was the tackle. Then even when he was healthy, it's still Lino's job instead of his, and so on and so forth. I mean, what a mess injury-wise it was for the Bears uh, this year. So... Anyway, so that's what I want to see from the Bears on offense. Control the clock the way they the same way they did against Tampa Bay. It's just obviously we need to punch it into the end zone. You know, obviously we 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 can't get in there every single time. But if we make five trips into the red zone, gotta make at least we gotta do, get in the end zone more than we don't. You know, it's not the end of the world to get a field goal, but I'd like to not keep settling for field goals at least one time this year. So. uh Let's go out there and stick it to the Lions, keep them in last place, get ourselves in third place, get that, that, that two-game improvement that we got uh, over the 5-11 and 11 season that we had last year. I mean, it's already a vast improvement from what we had to sit through uh, last year. It's been a pleasure watching this team play most of the time, except for that little three-week stretch with San Francisco, Washington, and, and Minnesota. The other weeks, it's been a pleasure to watch this team and and their effort and their determination and their their no quit attitude. I just want to see it one more time on Sunday, and I want to see it beat the Lions and close out the year uh, on a two game uh, win streak. I think that would be awesome for them and awesome for us, because and awesome for me because anyone who's listened to the show for the last several years knows I hate losing to the freaking Lions. So you know, like I can accept losing to Green Bay because they're. You know, over the last two decades, they've been the better team, the better organization, and so on. We, I think we're 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 gaining on them, that's for sure. Minnesota should have won the first game, got our asses kicked in the second one. You can accept a good beating when you know you're playing against a better team, and on that day, they were definitely better than us. The Lions, screw the friggin' Lions. I don't want to lose to the Lions ever, even if they were 15 and 0 coming into this game. I still want to beat the Lions. I don't give a damn. So. We need to win on Sunday so we can kick off 2016 the right way. So, And that's going to do it for the Chicago Bears Review week number 17. That's going to do it for the week, the Chicago Bears Review for the year of 2015. Come back on Monday when we will review this game. How did it all go down? Did the Bears finish 7-9? and nine? What coaching jobs are open? Where might Gase and Fangio get pulled away from us to? Uh, and so on. We'll talk about all of that 
uh, on Monday when we return. So until then, my name is Larry D. Happy New Year from the Chicago Bears Review. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.